0: hey guys welcome to the podcast before we start i just want to thank a few of our sponsors we have ancient boots um how you spell it is a n x y n t they're a sneaky boot i used it all last year on the archery hunt and i really liked them i'm going to use them this year again we also have uh scree gear i used their camouflage last year as well really like the stuff i used it even before we got the sponsorship, and um, I've I've liked it for the last I think I've used it three or four years, and it's been awesome. And then last but not least, I just want to thank Scout to Hunt. It's the free Western hunting app. Um, you can download offline maps and do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, so I, if you haven't yet, I'd definitely check it out, especially this for this uh, coming scouting season. It could be very useful. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into the podcast. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. I'm extra excited. This week we got Balin Borgon from Mossback. He's been around some of the biggest bucks, especially the last few years. He's just been a part of some giants. So I'm really excited to talk to him, kind of pick his brain and hear some stories. So thanks for getting on, Balin. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I just kind of want to start with like, how how your passion started for hunting and what kind of got you going there
1: yeah uh i think it was like i was probably 10 10 or so and we always would go chucker hunting and deer hunting and so you know back then my brother would get a u-tag every year so we could just go and my dad would make it so we could chucker hunt sage hen hunt and deer hunt all at the same time and we just road hunted a lot, you know, we didn't laugh, we didn't really know what we were doing. We used to walk ridges and just try different stuff, and, you know, we'd always kill deer. We'd never really kill anything big, and one year we lucked into, like, a 195-inch typical, and we never ended up killing him, but it kind of started the bug, and then uh-huh. my real passion for deer hunting, you know, it came when we picked up a giant deer horn off of a big deer you know, in one of our best units in Nevada. That really fueled it. Um, There was a big story behind it, you know. We had some family issues going on, and my dad and I would sneak away, you know, every weekend we could and go look for deer antlers, and we were fortunate to find some awesome sets, and just, that really fueled it for deer. Um, And from there, you know, like, I started really getting into the big deer in 2011, um, one of our good family friends had a tag and he had it with a bunch of points so we decided okay well let's go run trail cameras I mean let's go run the trap line and see what we can come up with so we did and we found some awesome deer um there was one buck that he really liked that we called the okay buck he had like a 12 inch flyer with two other (laughs) points cheaters off of that which was just he was cool you know he probably had a 170 inch frame but he just had the look and So, he liked that deer, and we had set another camera up in another range, and uh, not knowing, you know, we just didn't know what we were going to find, and this deer shows up, and I'm checking the camera while they're putting up another camera, rearranging it, and I'm just young, you know, I'm still, I'm like, I'm not, I don't remember how old, you know, now, but I was young, and I was going through the camera, and there's this deer, he just standing there he's got double drops on one side he's got 40, <laughs> all 40 inches of mass you know it's early, it's early July and he just balled you know you could tell he's just a tank and so we ended up calling him like ponderosa and I don't know I we really fell in love with the deer um so we just you know we ended up not hunting him ever we just kind of stuck it out on the okay buck and we had a lucky break on him and just didn't work out and ended up we ended up killing like a 220 buck but that was my (laughs) first real break on big deer but like back to that big you know the big shed that we found um we didn't realize it then at the time because the shed and the trail cam pictures of ponderosa were over 20 miles apart but um the big shed we found was off of Ponderosa. So that was even, uh, yeah, and it kind of it kind of lit a fire under us, under us even more. And so that year, Ponderosa made it through, and, like, that was my goal. I was, you know, like, I told my dad, I want to find that deer shed, you know. So we started where we had the trail cam pictures of him, like anybody yeah. would, right? And, I mean, we right. got hunted hard by, I mean – good, good hunters, probably the best in the game, and nobody ever killed him, so we ended up just starting, and we found some horns, you know, nothing good, nothing good, and one day we went down to another spot, you know, where we always pick up antlers, big antlers, and we go down there, and we're just messing around, and it's about mid-afternoon, it's a Sunday, my dad was a teacher, you know, he had to go back to work, I had to go back to school, and so he's coming off this ridge, and he had just made coffee. Off this ridge, hey, you need to come here. I'm like, what's this about? I go <laughs> over there, and I just about cry. I mean, here's Ponderosa's right antler. So now we got no two right way. antlers of Ponderosa, yeah. And,
0: uh, Is it still mostly intact, like the drop tines and stuff, or are they broken?
1: So this this wasn't the drop sign side. This was the oh. cheater side. So he had 11 points on this side. Um, it was like 107 inches or something. So I mm. walked over there. I'm just like, there's no way. How how did he move this far? I'm just baffled, you know. And yeah. It was it was just the start of a new game. And, I mean, we had found, I think we had found like 195-inch typical set and a bunch of other awesome <laughs> horns that day. So it was just like, okay, this is, you know. This is cool, and we had to go back to school, so we ended up going back. And during the middle of the week, my dad and I we just couldn't take it, so he took his day off and took me out of school, which was, you know, that's a big deal. And uh, we keep walking. We never, we never match him up, and we end, like yeah. t- yeah, end up finding like two or three other. Yeah, we end up finding like two or three other two hundred inch sets, but we never find his <laughs> horn, and we never found the year before his horn either. And that was like a ninety two inch antler. So um it it just never never surfaced. Well later that year of uh, the bighorn there was a fire down there and uh one of my good buddies was a wildland firefighter and he calls me, he's like, Dude, somebody just found a double drop type antler down there and I'm like,
0: No way <laughs> no. you know.
1: So, so I get all these phone numbers and I'm just a young kid. I get all these phone numbers and of the guy trying to get a hold of the guy so I can buy his antler this because yeah. I want this set. And so I ended up getting a hold of the guy. His name was Frank Clements and he ended up finding that antler eight miles from where we picked up the first side. And uh no, it was like man. his hundred it was like his hundred smoke jump or something. So it had meaning to him and we went back and forth for a while and it all worked out and he ended up selling it to us and it, it's really cool because, I mean, like, even now, it still has fire retardant on it. So it tells a story, and it's just, it's an awesome set. I mean, I think we had them official at 243, and they're like 238 net, oh. which is really cool. So,
0: oh but my God. That
1: deer kind of just, like, fueled the fire, and honestly, I mean, I go back to that mountain range still, and it'll never be the same to us, like, because that deer is just, that was special, you know?
0: Yeah. So. And
1: that was a killer year. I mean, that was the same year, you know, some other guys killed a 208-inch net typical. Um, Tyson killed a 226 buck that I was a little bit a part of help finding, and we ended up killing that
0: 220 buck. So
1: it was just cool, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to get into it. Is that kind of what got you into guiding, too, then? You know, I think it fueled my love for big deer, but
1: guiding just, it kind of fell in my lap. I think I didn't really know. I graduated high school and I mm-hmm. had the opportunity to go straight to the strip. And I graduated and I got a little Toyota, and took off to the strip and started working for Tori down there. And I mean, it was a grind. It was it was work, you know, like seven days a week. There was one day, one time I was down there and I was down there for 12 days straight and just every day running cameras whether it's swimming to get cameras out of ponds after a storm or you know you're just you're just on the grind right and yeah I think you just kept feeling it you know I got to be a part of a 263 inch deer that year and Jeez. so then it's just like it's in my blood and I always say oh I'm gonna go get a real job I gotta get out of this or you know and it It's the it's like a drug addiction, you can't shake
0: it, <laughs> yeah, for sure, Jeez, especially when you've been around the type of animals that you've been around like it, it's crazy
1: yeah it's all it's all like really fell into place. I mean, I've been really fortunate, a lot of people that have helped me get where I am, and you know, when I was a kid, I always watched like the Legend Channel on YouTube or we yeah. looked through Muley crazy or i mean back then nevada wasn't you know it was cranking but it wasn't like it is now with outfitters i mean greg crow was always killing some big deer back then and you know i always looked up to guys like that um and it just all fell in place and now you know i'm out there with them and it's different you know i gotta keep telling myself like these guys are way older than me i'm just starting out and it's cool
0: <laughs> that is cool. It's kind of like Tory Brock and those guys that you're around them that you kind of looked up to, and now you're you're kind of with them. That's that's sweet. So one thing I kind of wanted to talk about is you kind of mentioned Nevada um, as far as like the better units that have um, a lot of like the top, I guess top hunters and top guides hunting them. Do you feel like um you might have a chance at a better buck with less pressure and like less I guess less famous units, or you think the the top units are still producing the best bucks, if that makes sense?
1: I mean, it's you'll always see one that comes out of the woodwork that nobody knew about or something like that. But I mean two forty one through two forty five, I think it'll always be the best unit in the state whether or not Mm -hmm. you know on a dry year it can fluctuate um there was a couple deer killed last year in units like no name units that you know it's going to get guys eyes opened and they're going to go check it out Um, a couple years ago there was a 250 buck killed in a no name unit and it did the same thing and then people went and scouted it nothing came of it you know Um, yeah i think you stay in these southern units i mean they always throw big deer there's some units up north you know, 6, 7, oh, 081, they always, you know, on a dry year like this year, I think they're going to do good. I hunted it last year in the late hunt. Um, I wasn't impressed, but last year's winter wasn't very good either, so.
0: That makes sense. So do you think, um, I guess, is there certain units that are affected more by the drought? I guess I'm talking more like the the southern units, like could. Could you still kill some good bucks on a year like this out of, like, 24, 23, and 22? Or are those, like, extremely affected by the drought?
1: Um, It'll depend. I think – so I've been out quite a bit, um, and some of the – it's weird. Some of the feed looks bonkers, like the bitter brush is just blooming like crazy, and then you go to other places and it looks, it looks terrible. Um, and then springs are dry, so – I, I think it just depends on having the right age class of deer, the right genetics, mm-hmm. and then you know you you throw in feed too. I mean twenty seventeen was a pretty good year. Um we killed that two hundred and fifty eight inch deer. Um and that buck grew from a two oh five buck to two hundred and fifty eight inches in one year. But
0: ten <laughs> miles down the road
1: ten miles down the road we had a two hundred and eight, two hundred and seven inch buck and he went downhill to one seventy and then you know, I thought, oh, maybe it's old age, but the next year he came back and was a 200-inch typical, so it just depends, I think, like, this year's been real spotty, we've had a lot of spotty storms, so um, it'll be interesting to see, I I have a buddy over in Carson City who, you know, he has some cameras up in his backyard, and he's been sending me pictures of bucks, and they don't look so bad, so I'm trying to be hopeful with it, I think, I think there'll be some good stuff, you know, in those 22, 23, 24. I think 13 could throw a couple good bucks, but overall, I think it'll be an okay year. I don't think it's going to be, you know, crazy good, but it'll be good.
0: Yeah. Um, And then I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about summer scouting. Um, So I guess, like, how how do you go about that and then how do you keep tabs on a buck so like if you find them on trail camera or just see them once how do you go about like trying to pin them down
1: oh i mean it's a, it's a whole i mean just because you get a trail cam picture of a big deer doesn't mean you're going to kill it um we've i've done it like it's yeah. you get a picture of this buck and then you go hunt him and you hunt him and you hunt him and you never see him and it's the most frustrating <laughs> yeah. thing I think sometimes trail cameras like for instance, there was a buck in on the Arizona strip that I mean everybody had pictures of him, but he lived in a place where it just it it, it didn't seem possible, and you know it, it's interesting but I think the more time you spend glassing, the better off you're gonna be um just because if you actually see the buck, you're going to know he's right where he is kind of more than off of a trail camera. I've had deer move 10 miles from water, you know. So uh-huh. it kind of throws you for a curve. But spending a lot of time glassing, learning knobs, you know, just being there, that's the thing. is It's all about spending the
0: time. So, so when you find a big buck glassing, for example, are you going to spend a few days on them or are you like continuing to look for uh other deer does that make sense um
1: yeah no for sure no i mean you find one good buck you video him and i think move on you never -hmm. know what's around the next corner i mean it's great to have an inventory i i think a lot of guys they'll settle and they'll find one deer and then they'll just stick it out well what if five other guys show up or what if a lion blows him out you know yeah you just got to keep moving and keep your spirits high and just hope there's something around the next corner
0: so you're not really like watching if you find a deer in the summer you're not necessarily watching him every day trying to figure out every single move you're you're trying to grow an inventory and then maybe like a week before the hunt you'll kind of try to a week or two before the hunt kind of keep better tabs on them
1: yeah and i mean I don't like to go into an area a lot like especially when you mm-hmm. get closer to the hunt too just because you're giving stuff away and it's yeah just, you got to be careful yeah. what you do but yeah I mean you just keep tabs on them or you know we we'll, we do all sorts of crazy stuff I know when we had that big deer found we we just stayed away you know we knew he was going to be there and he did the same thing and we just stayed away
0: so so speaking of big deer I, I kind of wanted to hear you said um uh, you hunted a buck on the strip with uh Randy and then uh on the raffle tag too. Will you tell us that story of that buck? Yeah. So
1: it was a it was a little lesser of a year I'd say and we we had Dan Agnew who was the raffle tag hunter in and we went down there with the crew and there was two good bucks in a place and we just hunted hard and we ended up missing this buck a ton and we couldn't get him dead, so we ended up killing a great buck with Dan, and the archery hunts rolled around, and you know nobody saw him for a while on trail camera, and everybody How big thought, is this buck oh.
0: that you're chasing?
1: Yeah, so he was, you know, like right at 240, I think, when we ended up killing him.
0: Jeez, okay, sorry. And, uh,
1: <laughs> no, you're good. So yeah, I mean, it was a, it wasn't as good of a year as some years, but it was a, it was a good year, and so. Nobody had seen him on trail camera. A lot of people thought maybe we wounded him with the raffle tag, whatever. And, you know, we didn't. And Randy, Randy's a stud. Like, he is willing to grind for any deer. And he came in and, you know, we had his nephew, Zach, and Matt Lillenquist were there. They're great glassers. And we kept looking for this deer. And Randy wanted to kill him. And we could never find him. Like, we never saw him. And I think, you know, Randy hunted that whole hunt. I think it was, I don't know how many days that hunt is, but he hunted the whole hunt and we never did see that deer. And so Jeez. I was in Nevada and I I had a hunt finishing up over here, a late deer hunt. And then I was going to go to the strip for the rifle hunts. And we killed a deer in Nevada and I drove all night, get to the strip and maybe get an hour of snoozing in. And then I take off to my glass and point and Chad had seen the buck a couple of days before the season So we knew he was there, you know, now we reconfirmed he's there, he's back, you know, whether we scared him when we shot at him or what, but he's back. So he says, you know, he sends me up on this knob and I go down and I get on my quad and I'm taking off and it's just a mess of people. I mean, there's camps everywhere and everybody's hunting a different deer, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. I pull into my hiking spot that I'd hiked through, you know, with the raffle tag and, it, it takes me about an hour to get to the top of this mountain and I take start taking off and I hear a quad pull up and I'm like, here we go. You know, <laughs> yeah. I get on, going and I can hear this guy hustling up behind me and we end up like getting to the top at the same time. And he works for another outfitter and we get to talking and you know, I've had been pretty fortunate. Most guys are cool. You know, we all try to get along out there. We're all there for the same reason. Right. And we get up there and we're both glassing hard, you know, trying to be secretive, you know, with our radios and stuff. And I don't know, nothing was happening. And, you know, it's getting to like 8 o'clock in the morning and neither of us us had seen this buck. And so we're just starting to bull crap. And he kind of pulls out of his glasses for a minute, telling me a story. And I'm just scanning the tree line still. And all of a sudden I'm just like, no way, you know. I'm like, (laughs) there he is. Like, here's this buck and he just walks out of the tree line at 8 o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting next to one of our biggest competition out there and you know I can't be quiet about it he's sitting right there so I just tell Chad over the radio I'm like I got him you know and this guy sitting next to me he's like he's like not gonna he's like I'm not gonna do anything you found him first he's like you guys kill him and you know you can tell there's some strain there and he doesn't say anything on the radio to his guys and we go in and Chad and them they end up shooting a bunch of times and we end up <laughs> killing the deer and you could hear those guys on the radio kind of chewing his ass and you know it's just cool to see the respect that other outfitters can have for each other and you know, yeah. you win some you lose some so <laughs> it's just cool we ended up going in there and getting lucky basically so
0: Jeez. so you hunted that Buck the whole archery hunt, and then you were on him. Did you just see him once, like right before the hunt, and then you seen him the day you killed him? So you saw him like two days out of like probably like forty plus days looking for him.
1: Something like that, yeah. And we had cameras in there, you know, too. But he just—I don't know if we changed his habit when after we missed him with the raffle tag or what. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. It was interesting, you know, because I show up to camp, and here's Chad. He's got this video of the buck. And I'm like, well, guess that proves, you know, what we're going to hunt. And the guy we had was a badass. I mean, he he runs marathons, and we've hunted with him a bunch. And so it was cool. Uh-huh. It, it just worked out perfect.
0: Jeez, that's so crazy. So how do you keep, like, a motivated, um, like, on that archery hunt especially, like, where you're not – you're not seeing them day after day after day like how is that it's a grind I mean I I,
1: you know it just depends sometimes you can lose focus quick or sometimes you just you know you got to do it and you know that deer's there it just may take a while and I don't know I mean I hunted a lot of days and it gets frustrating but when you're with a guy like Randy for say, he's yeah just really positive upbeat you know and He's like, we'll find him, we'll find him. And we never did find him, but, it, you know, we had fun. You go back to camp, too. I think having a good camp is a big deal, you know, having a good team of guys that just keep you upbeat, you know. You don't get down in the dirt.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think that's an important lesson, too. I mean, you're hunting a 240-inch deer. It's not like you're going to pick up and go hunt a different 240-inch deer. Like, you have this one somewhat pattern i mean you know what he's supposed to do at least so i think that's a great lesson of how to (laughs) i mean that's what it takes to kill big deer so yeah i I mean
1: persistence kills big deer i mean it's the truth that's what kills big deer i mean some people think it's being good or it's just spending the time is what it really truly comes down to
0: yeah, well, I think I I ask a lot of people, like, what they think is the X factor in killing big deer. I ask them in a lot of different podcasts, and I think that's what it always comes down to is time in the field. And I think not only time in the field, but just, <laughs> I mean, I think hunting big deer isn't necessarily fun until you get to put your hands on them. I mean, it like you say, it's a grind out there, so... I think that's that's a perfect story to illustrate that.
1: No, yeah, big meal deer hunting is a it's it's a mental game, and you just got to beat it. <laughs> it sometimes you just want to give up and go home, but I think I don't know. You just got to stick it out. I mean, the guys that are killing the big deer constantly, they're spending a lot of days, and and I don't think people realize that's all it is. I mean, anybody can go do it, but go do it and spend the time.
0: Yeah. So, and then there's another story I really want to hear. Um, it's your big buck that you killed. Yeah, <laughs> that's a story. <laughs> well, let's hear that one. It's I've heard a little bit of it, and it sounds pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we got enough time, but we'll give it a whirl.
0: <laughs> um,
1: so, you know, I, I started checking my applications, and, I had all these clients calling saying they drew and I didn't really want to check my applications. And so I did, and I'm scrolling through and I get down to my deer and it says PIW and I'm like, Holy cow, you know, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> and then I started looking at my schedule and I'm like, this isn't awesome. Um, <laughs> you know? So it kind of, it contradicted itself. It ended up working out, but yeah. So I started scouting we had a governor deer tag. So I was fortunate, you know, I got to piggyback a little bit off the scouting and, you know, so we started mm-hmm. running cameras and I had one deer in mind, you know, if he didn't get killed by a gov tag or the archery hunter, um, that's the deer I wanted. And I had an archery client the first week, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go on him. And,
0: um,
1: a good buddy of ours ended up killing him and he's now the new state record typical. So, it, it, it sucked, it hurt, but you know, you're sitting up there with a client opening day and you get this picture through your phone of here's the buck you wanted to kill and to <laughs> yeah. but at least it's someone you know. Um so I ended up moving on and I kinda I kinda had this thing in the back of my head, like, I want a big framey deer and I wouldn't mind killing a deer that didn't hit a trail camera, like nobody has trail cam pictures of. And I didn't know. I mean, I had all these great deer on trail cameras. It was a great year. So I'm just kind of, you know, I'm looking at all these deer, and i just trying to decide what deer to hunt when I got the chance. Well, I ended up getting a chance to go in the muzzleloader season, and I uh, started out with, you know, this one buck and didn't see him. I hunted for three days by myself, didn't see him. Then I switched over to another deer. I ended up seeing him. He was like a 195-inch deer, just just didn't do it for me, so I passed him. Um, That's and,
0: crazy. That's a hard buck to pass.
1: Yeah, my dad was guiding another hunter, and he ended up killing a bull, so they got to come down, and he got to help me. Um, we went down to a new area, and we kind of just set up camp and just said, let's let's start grinding. Let's see what we can turn up. And we had some bucks in there, you know, that we knew were there. Um, we spent time glassing and didn't see them. But one evening, I, I took off out of camp. I think it was actually the middle of the day. And my dad was going to go to one place. I was going to go down and spend the whole afternoon looking for a buck we had on camera. And I get down to this place. And it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I come around this corner. I'm just out cruising, you know, glassing. It's straight desert. Like, all there is is rocks and cactus. And yeah, I'm glassing. And I see this buck under this rock. And I'm like, oh, that's a good deer, you know. Um he just didn't do it for me, the slick four-point. You know, I thought he was low 90s, maybe high 80s when I saw uh-huh. him. And then I get a text over my inreach from my dad later that evening, and I'm sitting there trying to decide if I should go try him or not, and I, I just don't. So when I get this text from my dad, he's like, I got a low 90s deer. He's got a really cool frame. He's got a droopy beam. You should come check him out. So I ended up passing that deer. I go up north. And I meet up with my dad and he shows me this video of this buck. I'm like, that's a cool deer. You know, like, I just don't think he's going to do it. He's 26 wide. You know, he's tall. He's got great beams. He's, you know, like 190, 191 inch deer. He's just not going to do it for me. And at this point, my dad's like, so what's it really going to take? Like, (laughs) you have three three 190 bucks now. Like, what is it going to take? And we're kind of frustrated, you know. I had been hunting a lot of days and we roll in and, next morning, we're like, oh, let's just glass, you know, right here by camp, so we split up in the morning, and I glass this area, not, not seeing anything but horses, I cruise up into a space, and that I like to glass, and get on my knob, and I glass it, and nothing, nothing, call my dad on the radio, he's like, I seen a two-point or something, I'm like, oh, all right, awesome, (laughs) so I come back down to where I had originally glassed, and I was just gonna wait for my old man to get there, and i just drop my btx out and start glassing and all of a sudden there's three bucks and I'm like huh this is crazy and this deer comes out of this bush and i'm like holy shit like that's it right there and mm-hmm. i call my dad on the radio and i'm like i found him you know and he's like what do you mean you found him it's nine o'clock in the morning or and it i mean it was it was a big deer so we end up taking some video he showed up you know watched him and we decided yeah it's it's big. He's got a big old 12-plus-inch hook cheater off one side, and he's 34 <laughs> inches wide. we we got to hunt this deer, you know. Mm. So we ended up – we left him all day, you know, just where he was. He was going to bed up, and there was no way of getting in there. So we just left him, went back to camp. Then we ended up hunting him that evening, didn't see him. So that was getting a little frustrating, you know. It's was like, a, this is scary. So then <laughs> next morning we get up, and – we glass and I find him right off the bat and okay I start to go in there and my dad's sitting back with the radio telling me what's going on and I get in there and he's like you're not gonna believe this but some horses just blew him out
0: and I'm like "What
1: and some wild horses had blown him out they like chased him you know and I wasn't even close I was still you know a couple miles away and so I was, like, a little frustrated, but I was like, okay, well, just get me to where you last saw him. Like, just put me where you last saw him, and we'll, let's just see what we can make happen here. Yeah. I mean, I get in there, and it's cool country. There's lots of little breaks, so I can kind of sneak around, work ridges, and I get in there, and he gets me where he last saw him, and I'm like, okay, he's got to be in this canyon. Well, the canyon I thought he was in, he didn't end up being right there, so I started working in, and... I was coming down this little ridge and I freaking look over and he's standing there watching me and he's 200 yards away straight (laughs) on. And I'm like, Oh snap. I'm, I, I, it's either make it or break it right here. And you know, I get buck fever real bad. Like I've seen (laughs) a lot of big deer die, but I get the fever. So I pull up and I just, you know, put it on in center mass and, Hopefully I hit him right. Well, I freaking did. And no. so here I am. I'm sitting here with a muzzleloader, one muzzleloader, trying to reload, and I can't even. I can't even reload. I can't even function. I'm a, a total <laughs> shit show. So I watch the deer run off, and uh, just just totally down. And he goes off, and we just leave him alone for the day, you know. And I only have like one more day to hunt in between, you know hunters and so we ended up not seeing him the next day and then I had to take off and go guide a hunter in a whole different unit so here I am worried now like so I go over to this other unit and I told my dad I was like we got to find this guy a good buck and get it done so we can get back over there yeah I'm booked back to back now so my only chance of hunting him again is if I kill early basically yeah and I we get lucky and we kill on, like, well, we end up hitting this buck on day two, night of day two. We hit him, but we hit him back, and it, like, pinwheels him. So, uh-huh. he's wounded. We had to leave him overnight, and we end up killing him day the third day. Okay. So, then, like, we get we kill him, get back to camp, get everything taken down, and trick, and we haul butt over to my unit, and my buddy from Reno, one of my best friends, comes down. And he's helping Glass, my dad, and me, and we're glassing for the buck, you know, and we're not seeing anything. And we saw some, you know, we saw some good bucks with nothing I wanted. And we ended up getting in there and I just told him, I'm like, we gotta, we gotta do something different. Cause I can't, I can't find him. You know, I don't have the time. And I had another client coming in. And so we got aggressive and I started working ridges, um, bill hunting it real slow. And I get on all these ridges and there's boot tracks everywhere. No. And I'm like, I'm I'm just sick to my stomach, and I just go back to camp, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, guys. Like, this isn't good. Like, there's literally every ridge. I'm like, so someone either killed him or someone scared him out of the country, right?
0: Because there wasn't boot so tracks I, before, right?
1: No. It, yeah. I had I had, like, a little beaten trail into one of my glassing knobs that was, like, right in the center of his home, and
0: uh-huh. so that
1: scared me, too, because it was really dry, and I people could see my trail, you know, right. So I was a little nervous about that too. And I, I knew like my Solomon tracks were the only tracks in and out of there. And I knew, you know, and I saw all these other boot tracks, cannon tracks, Solomon boots. I'm just like, Oh, this is great. Well, right. So then a couple of days go by and this other hunter comes in, we have my next client and he's in the same unit. So we just decided we'll camp there. You know, I told him the gig and he was like, no, that's your deer, dude. He's like, let's go hunt this other buck. He got. And I was like, that's really cool, you know, I offered him up to my client, and he's like, no, that's your deer, you know, and this guy's a really good dude, uh-huh. and so we ended up, we ended up hunting him, and he ended up killing a great deer, um, Double D, just an old warrior that everybody hunted, you know, he used to be giant, giant, but we finally just got lucky and killed him, and anyways, you know, I got back to hunting my deer, well, after the client left, we stayed in the same camp, and frickin', one night, these guys roll in at the weekend, and I'm just like, oh, this is great. More people rolling in, you know? Right. And I end up talking to this guy, and he's actually one of my buddies from Vegas, and I'm like, what the heck are you guys doing right here, you know? And they're good hunters, and it made me nervous. Yeah. And uh, so I get to talking, and he's like, why are you here? And I'm like, because I'm hunting, and you know? He's like, well, he's like, I I, I know better. He's like, you're here for a reason.
0: And he's like, are
1: you here for, he pulls out his phone, he's like, are you here for this buck? I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, well, (laughs) he's like, he's still alive, don't, don't worry. And, uh, he's like, we had him opening night, and, uh, I don't know what happened. He's like,
0: "No." He's like,
1: I was videoing him, and I went back over the ridge to get my dad, and I came back, and he was gone.
0: And I'm like, oh,
1: snap. So they ended up hunting him quite a bit, too, while I was gone, and they never saw him again you know they're the ones that worked all the ridges and did all that stuff and never saw him again so now I'm like oh so we ended up hunting together you know I it was just like if you find him first I'll help you guys kill him if I find him first I would hope you guys would help me kill him you know
0: and yeah So they end
1: up staying hunting the weekend didn't see him um I kind of get a little frustrated with it I'd spent a lot of time now on this buck and nothing you know um losing all my help and I freaking we decided to go hunt the desert you know look for another deer and nothing came of it we ended up actually going home and I just decided it's, it's time for a break right um, right starting new, right. and I'm taking this break and one morning I get a call and it's from my boss Russ and he's like dude where where the F are you and I'm like <laughs> I'm at home he's like well you need to get here right now and I'm like what do you mean he's like well Joey's got your buck found, but he's like 30 miles away from where you were hunting him, and I'm like,
0: "No, there's no way,
1: there's no way." You know, it's it from so from October 2nd to October 22nd, he's moved. You know, he's moved two mountain ranges, crossed railroad tracks, and yeah, now he's just in the middle of nowhere with no springs anywhere near. him. So I don't really believe Russ. I'm just like, okay, yeah, maybe it's another buck. Cool. Maybe it's just like another 200-inch or he wants me to come whack, right? Right. uh, He won't send me video, nothing. He's just like, meet me here. So I'm hauling ass. I get there, and I go up on the knob, and our guys are sitting there, and they're just like, it's him, dude. And I'm like, all right, we'll see. You know, I don't (laughs) believe this. I'm just in disbelief, but all right. So I – you know, I'm sitting there, and he gets up out of his bed, and I'm like, holy crap, no way, and it was 100% him, and what? so we, we just come up with a game plan, and we had him at like 800 yards, and I don't know, I, I get too, too much fever, so I was like, no, let's go get closer, so Russ and I, and Brock Rimhall, one of our good clients, we dip off the hill, and Nick, Joey, and Cameron, and Mikey, they stay on the hill glassing for us, and we go up this wash, and we come up, you know, right across from him, he's bedded there looking up at us, and it's 125 yards or something, and Russ is just, he's like, lay down right there and just shoot him, so I just lay down, and Russ is trying to get video, Brock's trying to get video, and I was like, I'm not waiting for you guys to video, let's just kill him, and uh, (laughs) I shoot him, hit him, he gets up, and he takes off, and I crank another one in, I still don't know to this day if I hit him, but he ends up tipping over, and we go down there, and I'm just, it, it was, it was a big relief, um, it was tough, though, because, you know, my dad spent all that time with me, and he didn't end up getting to be there, that was probably the the worst part of it, is, you know, I wanted my dad to be there on my first deer that was over 200, and we didn't get to share that together, but I was still, you know, pumped about the whole ordeal, it just, that kind of bugs me still to this day, but it was fun, it was, it's, it's something i can't relive you know like it's definitely the deer i wanted like every day i look at his mount now you know
0: just yeah like, wow
1: it really happened it, it's a story you know
0: <laughs> that really is such a cool story though like to have like that much uh i guess history with them. Why, i i don't wanna so why did he move so far was he migrating or you know i don't know if he's
1: migrating out? to rut or migrating to rut somewhere or what he was doing. Um, a lot of those, I don't know. I've had deer where they'll stay in like this, this area of the size of a football field all year. And then Mm -hmm. I have deer that'll move and I, I still don't know why he did what he did, but I would guess to go rut somewhere or maybe he was born somewhere else and he was going back there to rut or something like that is what I would think. Like that's what we think about the Ponderosa deer. He was probably born where he shed type of deal. So, yeah but it's so, an interesting deal i mean it it's it's baffling you know it makes you wonder like how many deer move
0: you know right that's what, that's what i'm thinking right now and you said they found them there wasn't any like really water around it was just the middle of nowhere um it's just... it's straight desert i mean there's there's a couple springs
1: you know but they're a long ways away so it, it was interesting to see him right there and he crossed railroad tracks i mean he he moved big time he moved you know from a whole number unit basically which is crazy
0: Jeez. so were they looking for a different deer right there or like how did they how did they know to find them there you know it,
1: so it was middle of october so they were starting to just okay. you know kind of peep up around and look for bucks that were they were doing what he did you know looking you know just kind of moving country, and they were just trying different places that not a lot of people went to, and they just lucked into him. I mean, it, you know, something was right for it to all come come through like <laughs> yeah. that. I, I will say that, you know, That is you wonder. So
0: cool. That's and awesome. it was cool
1: because nobody had trail cam pictures of him that I know of still, um,
0: you know, so that
1: really, it was cool. It just, it worked
0: out. So what's it like, uh, like kind of like putting your hands on a deer like that after you spent so much time trying to find them and kill them? Like, what's that experience like?
1: I don't think it set in for a, a lot of days. Um, I think Jeff, Jeff Baird's still mad at me because I, I held onto the antler so long and, you know, <laughs> I did
0: <laughs>
1: I I don't know. I, it, it's still hasn't set in. It's an awesome feeling. And I mean, when you walk in my house he's the first thing you see so it it's cool I mean I, I love it um I've been a part of a lot of big deer from you know into the 260 270s and I don't know it, it's cool
0: that's awesome so just real quick like what what are a few things you learned from that buck or that that hunt I mean
1: it it all goes back to just Staying persistent, I mean, I probably shouldn't have bebopped around a little bit and took a break, but it's just staying persistent, you know, having a good crew of guys that are out looking to um, just spending the time, be there, you know, and Mm -hmm. don't always, don't always overthink things. A lot of, a lot of guys overthink stuff and sometimes they're right under your nose. I mean, look, he was right there. He wasn't there at six o'clock in the morning, but he was right there at nine o'clock, so stay persistent you know be patient it'll happen if it's going to happen
0: yeah yeah and I I bet a lot of people probably would have gone back to camp I mean not seeing the buck they were after like at first hour or two of light so I think I think that I mean maybe a lot of people wouldn't even know that buck was there if they would have been there that day and left because he didn't like you said you didn't see him till nine o'clock so
1: yeah no and I think that's it happens a lot. I, I think with clients, you know, they get bored out of their mind. So you take them back to camp and it makes you wonder what you missed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So just a few more questions. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know I've had you on for a second. So, um, what's like after all these experiences and, and stuff, what's like one thing you wish, um, you knew like five years ago that, you know, now,
1: Ooh, I don't know. (laughs) Good (laughs) question. I, man, I don't know. I think like maybe the art of tracking, I think it's a big deal. Like tracking big deer, I think like knowing their habits, um, Mm -hmm. just honestly, I think that's the biggest deal. And maybe having the glass, (laughs) having the newer glass would
0: have been awesome back then too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned tracking, I think, I think a lot of people overlook that how do you use tracking in like finding deer?
1: Um just like seeing where seeing where they're bedding, seeing where they're feeding type of deal more than anything. I mean, a couple years ago I had a muzzleloader hunter in and it it just we just got lucky. I ended up tracking this buck and I ended up finding his bedding area. We missed him and then I came back with another hunter you know, it was mid-morning, and I did the same thing, but I walked into this knob, you know, where I'd seen him from, and he was under the under the same tree in the same bed. So I think, you know, just, just tracking the deer, kind of seeing what they're doing, it, it really can be helpful. And if you're in the bottom of the, the ninth and you're not having any luck glassing, I mean, what's wrong with jumping on a track and just trying your luck?
0: Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people think about like tracking more after you've shot a deer and track it down, but I think what you just said could help a lot of people tracking them, figuring out their habits, and like you said, if <laughs> it's the last day or so, you don't have anything else to do. I mean, I've heard a lot of people kill big bucks just getting in with them, tracking them down, and I guess
1: hunting like that, so... I think it's a cool way. I mean, you, you you never know what you're gonna walk or walk into. Like, you never know what's around that next corner. It might be a big footed two pointer, might be a forty <laughs> <Yeah>. buck. <laughs> but I, it's a lost art, and I think you know, it's just a, it's a fun way of hunting. Um, I don't do it a ton, cause it's it's hard to keep like clients entertained with it. But it's yeah. definitely something I like to do. I mean, it's something to keep hunting all day too. You know.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, sweet. Yeah, well, I appreciate you telling those stories. Those are those are two really good deer stories. So I appreciate that and all your tips and tactics. I think there's a lot of a lot to learn from listening to this podcast and listening to your stories. So I appreciate you taking the time. Is
1: yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's
0: uh, it's fun to do. So, <laughs> sweet. Is there any last things you want to say or? Any last-minute advice, I guess?
1: I mean, the biggest thing is just don't overlook stuff. I mean, I the other day I was out setting trail cameras with a buddy, and last year he had a tag in this unit, and he texted me. He's like, well, there's no deer tracks on this water. Should I put a camera there? I'm like, yeah, put a camera there. You don't know what's going to hit there, you know? Uh-huh. And he ended up getting his biggest buck on that water. And the other day really? when we were out, putting up cameras I was like should I put a camera here and he's like remember what you told me last year he's like put a camera there so yeah I mean you just don't overlook things I think it happens a lot more than you think and same thing with glassing spots you know sometimes the best spots are right off the road so just if it's got good feet or you know it opens wide and you can glass for days try it what do you have to lose
0: yeah, no, I think I think that's really good. I mean, a lot of those bucks are killed in the stupidest places that people just overlook. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I've had it happen multiple times where, I mean, there
1: was, I used to be on a fire crew and we were coming back in from a fire and I look off the side of the road and there's a 190-inch deer standing off the side of the road and now it's like one of my favorite places to hunt because every time I I can road hunt them, I can they come down, they feed right off off the road go to water and go back up so you're right in the middle of their stuff it's it's cool you you don't know you know you just never know what's going to happen
0: yeah i think that's the cool thing about deer too you just you never know what you're going to find you never know what you're going to run into i think that's why they're so addicting for sure well sweet white i appreciate you taking the time to get on there i'm excited i got you on the podcast and got was able to hear some of the stories so Thanks again. Thanks, man, for the opportunity. I appreciate it.